What is the impact of your faith? Does your faith have impact? Horatio Spafford's life was impacted by his faith. Horatio Spafford's faith has impacted people all over the world. It's likely that the faith of Horatio Spafford has impacted your life. Who is Horatio Spafford? He is the man who penned the incredibly famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. If you aren't familiar with the story, Spafford wasn't comfortable when he wrote those words. He wasn't the pastor of a church. He wasn't serving as a missionary overseas. He wasn't in a beach house in retirement. He wrote this words while on a boat. His life in ruins. 1871, Spafford was a successful lawyer in Chicago, and he invested significant funds in property in Chicago. 1871 was the year of the Chicago fire, and it ruined him financially. 1871 was also the year of the death of his four-year-old son. Two years later, 1873, Spafford, his wife Anna, and their four daughters planned to take a boat to Europe. Spafford got, got held up with some business, so his wife Anna and their four daughters went ahead, and as that boat crossed the ocean, it sunk. All four daughters drowned that day. Only Anna, his wife, survived. Shortly afterward, Horatio boarded a ship to go meet his grieving wife, and as he passed near the spot in the ocean where his four daughters drowned, he penned the incredibly famous words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to know. It is well, it is well with my soul. Good morning. Good morning to those in this church and good morning to those who are joining us via live stream. My name is Mike Peshka. With me is my wife, Jessica, and we have two boys, Jackson, who's four, and Roman, who's two. We have a third baby boy coming in December. We are missionaries in the Philippines with Ethnos 360, formerly known as New Tribes Mission. For those who are unfamiliar with New Tribes Mission or now Ethnos 360, for 75 years now, Ethnos 360 has focused on bringing God's word to the least reached people groups around the world, to the remote people groups that have no access to God's word, to the Bibleists, 
We just returned from the Philippines mid-July after being there for two and a half years where we studied the national language of Tagalog, studied language and culture, what life looks like in the Philippines. As we wrap up this stage, we're looking at what God has for our future. But Ethnos 360 has over 3,000 missionaries in countries all over the world, Philippines, Papua New Guinea, Brazil, Mexico, and many, many more. But for many years now, Ethnos 360 has found that the most effective way to clearly communicate God's word is through chronological Bible teaching. You're not just picking and choosing what you're teaching. You're starting in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This method is effective because you're introducing people to God as their creator going through the Old Testament and bringing them to Christ. They're learning who God is, how he interacts with mankind, who we are. And it's incredible to see people go from absolutely no understanding of who God is to a deep understanding of who God really is because of the time spent in the word. And the value of this is immeasurable because oftentimes we come up with this idea in our minds, in our hearts of who God is based on our experiences, based on our emotions, based on our feelings, based on what people have told us. And oftentimes that, that God that we've created in our minds is nothing like the real God. Oftentimes that God that we create in our minds is just an ideal version of ourselves. But as you study through God's word, as you study through the Old Testament, you, get, you begin to see who God is. You can see how he interacts with man. You see God's love, God's justice, God's mercy, God's grace, God's patience, God's pursuit of mankind. You see God's holiness. You see God's wrath. You see God's vengeance. You see God's punishment. But through the Old Testament, you see God's relentless, unending pursuit of mankind. And as you go through the Old Testament, you begin to realize that God is not this distant, far-off, disconnected God who doesn't care. You see a God who is involved with mankind day in and day out, a God who knows, a God who pursues, a God who is intentional. A God who knows his creation, a God who knows mankind, a God who knows you and I. He's not a distant, far-off, disconnected God. So again, by delving into the word, by going through the word, you begin to understand who God is and who we are. But here's the thing, in order to know who God is, you need the Bible. And that's the theme of this weekend, is the Bible to the Bibleists. Because it may come as a surprise to many of you, there are still 2,000 language groups that don't have God's word in their heart language. There are still thousands of people groups all around the world that have no access to God's story no thriving church. 
Just imagine picking up a Bible in another language and trying to learn who God is. How effective in, that, in your life do you think that would be? So the focus of Ethnos 360 is bringing God's word to those people that are Bibleless, translating the Bible into languages that don't have it, teaching people who God is, and establishing a thriving church. God's word is important. God's word has impact. Again, so the question I asked at the beginning, what is the impact of your faith? Maybe you're asking, what should be the impact of my faith? If you want to open up your Bibles with me, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 1. We're going to read through that chapter. And we're going to focus in on this chapter today because in this chapter, we will see what the result was what the impact was because of the faith of the Thessalonians. And we can use this passage as a guideline, something that we could compare ourselves to, something that might compel or encourage us to live lives of impact. I'll be reading from the NLT. First Thessalonians 1, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when he brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message of joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are coming back and that we as believers have that hope. We thank you for the example of the faith of the Thessalonians and the impact that it had and Encourage us, Lord, with this passage today to live lives of impact. Amen. All right, so here we go. Verse one, who wrote First Thessalonians and to whom is it written? We see it right there in verse one. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Simple, straightforward, easy answer, right? We're writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. 
There we go. The church in Thessalonica, the Thessalonian believers. You're writing the Thessalonian believers. But they finish out verse 1 saying, May God give you grace and peace. Grace and peace. So that's an interesting statement. We could sit on that for a long time, but we won't do that today. But it's interesting. It says grace and peace. It doesn't say health, wealth, prosperity, comfort, healing, a house on the beach and a peaceful retirement. It's just grace and peace. COVID-19 is a hot topic of the year, right? How many of our prayers this year have been asking God for grace and peace in the midst? And I don't think that by God giving you grace, or I don't think that by, by, by God giving you peace, God is saying that your life will be peaceful. I do believe that God is saying that he will give you peace despite despite what is going on around you, despite the broken relationships, despite the pandemic, despite the loss of a job, despite the death of someone close to you, despite in the midst. I'd love to go through this passage and break it down verse by verse. We're not going to do that today. Instead, we're going to, I'd encourage you to do that this week. This is a good passage. Instead today, because of our theme as Missions Weekend, we're going to focus on the impact the faith of the Thessalonians had. And then we're going to talk about some stories about what kind of impact the faith had on people who were once Bibleists when they were given the Bible. So the main point that we're talking about today is the impact of faith. And under that point, as you look through 1 Thessalonians 1, you'll see the authors commending the outworking of the faith of the Thessalonians, the result of that outworking, and then finally the impact of that outworking faith. So the four reactions or outworkings of faith we see in 1 Thessalonians 1 is faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering. The result of that outworking was that these believers then became an example of faith, which then caused, the impact was the causing of the word of the Lord to ring out. So if we were to use this passage as somewhat of a guideline, like I said earlier, something that we could compare ourselves to, we need to ask ourselves, is our faith resulting in faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering. Is that a true statement of our own faith? A quick answer to joy in the midst of suffering is how you responded to the pandemic. Was it fear, worry, depression, mockery, heartlessness, anger, or was it joy? Faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering. These aren't things that we can fake it until we make it. These aren't things that we can manufacture on our own. These are outworkings of the Holy Spirit as we abide in Jesus Christ, as we become more and more Christ-like, It is because of the Lord Jesus Christ we see in verse 3. 
Our faith has to be rooted in Jesus Christ because there will never be any fruit if we aren't rooted in Jesus Christ. Which brings up an important introspective question. Is our faith rooted in Jesus Christ? Is our hope rooted in Jesus Christ? Is our joy rooted in Jesus Christ? Is our work rooted in Jesus Christ? Because if it isn't, if you're not sure if it is or isn't, if it's not rooted in Jesus Christ, it is rooted somewhere else. Let me say that again. If our faith, our hope, our love, our works aren't rooted in Jesus, they are rooted somewhere else. Again, is our faith resulting in faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering? Because if it is, ultimately that same faith should be causing the word of the Lord to ring out. That is the impact that faith should have. But again, it's not you, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit living through us that is causing that impact. So are we abiding in Christ to the point that the Holy Spirit can then impact those around us? Ultimately, it is our relationship with Jesus Christ that is causing the impact. What is the impact of your faith? A number of years ago, a missionary couple named George and Harriet Walker They were actually teachers of ours at the training center when we went through. They became missionaries. They moved to Papua New Guinea, other side of the world, above Australia. They moved into a remote people group, built their house, probably living solar system, living off the grid, learned the language, learned the culture, translated the Bible into into this language. People that had no access previously. Then they were able to teach through God's word, starting in creation, bringing them all the way through, ending with Christ. A church was born. This is the Bissorio people group. Their lives impacted by the gospel. The Bissorio people's lives were impacted by the faith of George and Harriet Walker. The Bissorio people's lives were impacted by the faith of the churches and supporters behind George and Harriet Walker. These new believers responded to the gospel, but it didn't end there. Their faith rang out so much so, this is not a joke, so much so that another people group, another language group, heard the gospel because of their faith. They saw the life change. They saw the faith of the Bissodio people. So the Maniyama people are seeing this life change and they're, they're writing letters to our organization begging for missionaries. We need to hear what story they heard. We need to be introduced to the God that they got introduced to because we see what kind of impact it had on them. This must be a powerful God. We want to hear that story. So the Homequest families and the Woodard families, 
They go to Papua New Guinea. They move into this language, this remote people group, build their houses, learn the language, learn the culture, translate the Bible, teach through God's word. Same process. A church is born. But it didn't stop there. Their faith also rung out to the point where these new believers who were being discipled were then traveling, dug out canoe an hour down the river to teach chronologically to another people group. Their faith rang out. Back in 2010, I actually had the opportunity to go to Papua New Guinea and I visited the Mariyama people group. And I got to see the impact that faith had on their lives, how they were no longer living in fear. They're no longer living in darkness. They were living in a thriving relationship with their creator, God, and you saw it. It had an impact. We were able to hear testimonies to speak with these believers. We had communion with the believers. What an incredible experience. People who were once Bibleless received the Bible, taught the truth, introduced to Jesus. Their faith, visible with faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering. The result was that both of these people groups then became examples of faith. Both of these people groups, the result was the causing of the word of the Lord to ring out. Their faith didn't just impact their own lives, but many, many lives around them. We see in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, in spite of the severe suffering, the Thessalonians received the message with joy. Another example, in Papua New Guinea, there were missionaries who moved into another remote people group, learned the language and culture, translated the Bible, taught them through the Bible. We had believers, baby believers. They got to the point in the New Testament where they learned about baptism and they wanted to be baptized. So this isn't like a norm, normal North American style baptism where you get baptized in front of the church or surrounded by believers. There's one place to be baptized in the village and that was a river that flowed through the middle of the village. So they got all set to have baptisms in, that vi- in, the, in the river in the middle of the village, but there was persecution, there was opposition. The people who hated the teachings, the people who rejected Jesus stood on the other side of the river And they told the people, if you walk into that river, you're going to die. They stood on the other side of the river, bows, arrows, and spears in their hands. You go in that river and walk out, we will kill you. This wasn't an empty threat. It's likely that these people were headhunters. It's likely that there was tribal warfare. They probably had killed before. These aren't empty threats. So what did the believers do? They chose faith. They rejected fear. They walked into the water. 
they were baptized. They walked out of the water and they kept walking. They were not killed. They were not killed. What kind of faith is that? Can you imagine what kind of impact their faith had on those unbelievers who were standing there saying, we're, got to, we're gonna kill you. And then they watched their fellow tribes and walk into that, face certain death in order to associate themselves with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? What kind of impact did their faith have on those men? Let's wrap things up. The impact of the faith of the Thessalonians, the Besorio, the Mariama believers resulted in faithful works, loving deeds, enduring hope, and joy in the midst of suffering. Resulting in them being examples of faith, which then caused the word of the Lord to ring out. The word of the Lord cannot ring out from our lives unless we are faithfully working, unless we are living in hope, unless we are living with joy, unless we are living with joy in the midst of suffering. Is your faith ringing out? Or is your faith whispering? Is our faith making any noise at all? your neighbors, your friends, your families, your communities know the gospel because of your faith. They may not believe it, but do they know it? Does the area around TGP, the circle of influence around TGP, know the gospel because we are here? What impact does Jesus have in your life? What is the impact of your faith. The impact of the faith of Horatio Spafford gave him the ability to write and say, it is well with my soul. When stricken with undescribable grief. What is the impact of your faith? 